You're listening to the Hutton and Callahan Show, a podcast devoted to sports talk and the sports industry, co-hosted by Dylan Hutton and Skylar Callahan, a minor league baseball play-by-play broadcaster and a Sports Illustrated publisher. We've teamed up to combine our passion for college and pro sports with our curiosity toward the media industry as we talk to broadcasters, reporters, and publishers about their careers and approach to telling stories about the games that we all love. hard to believe but it's finally here happy launch day everybody i'm dylan hutton joined by my co-host skylar callahan skylar happy launch day to you as well absolutely dylan happy launch day to you it's a lot of fun uh mother's day weekend make sure if you if you uh, are very close or in i guess proximity to your mother you make sure you take her out give her some nice um some nice gifts this weekend show her her love i know you probably aren't allowed to go out and uh eat anywhere but do your best to show your love to your moms out there but yeah Really excited to get this thing cranked up and going, and there's a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about here in the coming weeks, and and uh, there's going to be a lot of interesting topics that we're going to start talking about, especially uh, with the return of sports potentially here coming up soon, which we're going to dive in here too today. And I'll tell you, the weather it sure doesn't feel like May because <laughs> it was 30 last night, and I thought it snowed at one point. So yeah, I got I got a text from my my buddy back home in Wheeling, and he said that there was snowing up there, and I was a little shocked by that. It's almost mid May now. Down here in North Carolina, it's like 70 degrees. Skyler's running around shirtless while we're uh, having to <laughs> jacket weather. Still. This is why we're off camera, because no one wants, wants, wants to yeah. see that. Parka weather. They're comfortable seeing me in like a, a Columbia three-layer jacket, but that's <laughs> the way it goes. It's, just, it's weird, because these places are so close together, too. But we're excited yeah. for this first episode. It's our first official episode, and also excited to say that the Hutton and Callahan Show is now available on Apple Podcasts, and you can go subscribe today, leave a review, comment, rating, whatever you want to do. We'll appreciate any kind of feedback we get on this show, because again, we're just starting it out, but today we're going to discuss Major League Baseball's plan to return in July, whether it's feasible, alternate options that could be on the table, and if a shortened season could help the underdog teams, like mine and Skyler's Pirates. Then we'll move on to give our thoughts (laughs) on how the sports industry, print and broadcast, has pivoted its coronavirus pandemic coverage. It's been interesting, Skylar, with the way that things have changed as far as in the sports media industry. We're going to talk about that. Since both of our topics today are centered around the coronavirus pandemic that has swept across our country and the world, we want to take a moment to thank all the frontline healthcare workers and essential personnel that have carried on with their work over the past few months and remind everyone to stay safe. Wash your hands and practice social distancing. If you do that, we'll be back to sports before you know it. One of the most interesting things about this virus outbreak in the United States was the role that sports, specifically basketball, played in the early days of the pandemic. The NBA started canceling games on March 11th. College basketball conference tournament games began shutting down on the 12th. We're talking about a very public minute-by-minute decisions that were being made by conference commissioners and league executives. And it's unfolding live on the networks of ESPN and Fox. Truly an unforgettable night and morning for the sports world. Skylar, that brings us to you. Uh, you were in the Learfield IMG College Network Studios in Winston-Salem when all this was happening. Talk about your recollections from that week with Rice. Man, Dylan, it was probably the most eerie thing that I've ever experienced in my life. Um, just the, you know, the, the feelings like, I mean, we were little when 9-11 happened. But it, that feeling of whenever 9-11 took place, it was a sense of what's going on, what's going to happen next, what's going to happen tomorrow. And it was kind of the same thing um, that happened that night when 
sports kind of just shut down because I, I knew of the coronavirus. I knew the of how, you know, deathly this thing could be or how, um, I guess, how scary this thing could be and how dangerous this thing could be. But I don't really think it hit home to me until sports stopped because obviously for you and me, that's our world. We do this every day. This is our jobs. And when you take that away from us, it's kind of like, oh, snap mode. Um, so, yeah, that, that night we were in the Learfield IMG College studios. Um, Rice was playing a conference tournament basketball game, and it was the first game of the conference tournament in Conference USA. I can't remember who they were playing. I want to say it was like UAB or Middle Tennessee. I can't remember. Um, at this point, it was just all a blur. But we get into about – midway through the first half and all of a sudden just everyone is tweeting about the Rudy Gobert situation and how he had tested positive for the coronavirus and you know then five minutes later uh, we go back on the air and I told JP our our play-by-play guy for Rice about everything that's going on because I mean he can't all you know he doesn't have um, his phone right there next to him during the broadcast so I was filling him in on some stuff and he was a shook and we get back onto the air um call timeout like literally we're only back on there for 30 40 seconds go back to co- to commercial break and then we see the tom hanks uh positive test come across so it was just like holy crap what is going on is this going to be like either like the end of times or something like we had no idea what was going on and i didn't know if like what tomorrow hell i didn't know if i would be back if Rice played, if Rice had won that game, which obviously they didn't uh, win that game, but, you know, it was just a weird, eerie feeling because you just kind of had a sense that at some point it was going to shut down. You just didn't know when. And during that day, they were already canceling some of the conference tournaments. They were putting um, restrictions on fans, how many fans were allowed in, who could be allowed in. And uh, during that game for Rice, it was just a normal game. Uh, normal crowd was allowed in they had another game going on on court too and there was the conversations about how they could be limiting that by tomorrow and then the next day happens and then everything shut down so yeah it was just a very very eerie day night next day a week I mean I was terrified I, I didn't know what to do I didn't know what was going on and uh, it's surely a day I don't want to ever experience again yeah it was a weird situation because these decisions like I said were being made like on the fly I mean we were getting I mean there were games that were just starting and the players were on the floor getting warmed up and they were being called it was different from the Thunder situation because you had the tests going on and Rudy Gobert of course tested positive there was no positive test in these other games and then you have you know the commissioner saying we're going to limit the amount of fans and then maybe two or three hours later they end up canceling the whole event it changed quickly. It was interesting to see how basketball was the center stage of where I feel like a lot of sports fans witnessed the coronavirus, you know, starting to impact our everyday lives and our normal routine. Yeah, and really the conversation I had with uh, my co-publisher at the West Virginia Center on Sports Illustrated um, was just about how weird it was for basketball. You know, the NBA and Adam Silver – and those folks to be the ones that really shut things down. Because in my opinion, I don't think the NCAA was planning on shutting down the tournament. Now I don't 
there's a whole bunch of theories out there, what they were thinking, what they would have done, how they would have made it work. I, I, to this day, really feel like they would have played that tournament without fans had the NBA not canceled their season. And there was that talk, there was the talks about it because they had said the NCAA came out first and said, we are going to play the tournament still, but we're just not going to allow fans. And then the NBA shortly thereafter cut their season off. And I think at that point, you know, Mark Emmer and the guys at the NCAA level felt like they had to because, you know, the NBA didn't, if, if they had something happen during the tournament, then it's going to give them an even worse look than they already have. Um, and you just kind of saw that chain reaction from the NBA on, on down and they were the ones that started it. But yeah, it was really, really crazy to just see how quickly all that stuff happened. And I remember the NCAA really held out. Like you said, it, it wasn't yeah. like it happened the same day all this other stuff was going on. It took them a few no. weeks before they realized like how they were going to go about it because there was a question about how were you going to determine the conference champion to get the automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. That was the issue for like a week before they ended up canceling the whole tournament because there was some hope there. Yeah, yeah, there was. And, and what was even crazier, I don't know if you remember this, but the ACC tournament was the last turn, Power 5 tournament to cancel their, their conference tournament because the AC, or the SEC, Pac-12, Big Ten, and Big 12, they all canceled, the, canceled theirs. And then the next day, the ACC was still planning on playing. We're just like, what's going on? Are they going to be the only ones to continue playing? And I don't remember who was playing. I think it was Florida State and somebody else was getting ready to take the floor. Um, this was probably maybe a couple hours in the pregame. Um, just shoot around and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, they just, the, 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 everyone just comes out and says, no, we're not playing it. And they just shut it down right there. And everyone was losing their mind. I remember Jay Billis was on TV. He was down here in Greensboro at the Greensboro Coliseum giving his thoughts on it. And he said, I don't know what's why they're playing this, but it appears like they're going to. And then the next, you know, time I, I look on the TV, they're, they're shutting it down. So um, it's just crazy how fast that stuff happened. But um, I think they did do the right thing in, in shutting everything down. Yeah, I think in hindsight, everybody made the right call, the NBA, the NCAA. It's not the decision that sports fans wanted to hear, that I or you wanted to hear, but no. <laughs> it was the right decision for the situation. And it comes down to it, you know, sports are important, but they're not life or death decisions that would need to be made so i think with what basketball did they kind of set the tone for all these other sports taking the coronavirus seriously because now we're into may and we're starting to talk about the impact it could have on college football we're seeing what it already did to college baseball and also major league baseball so it's interesting and that gets us to our second topic of our three here on our first episode and let's dive right into it major league baseball they're eyeing a july start to the 2020 season Recent reports indicate that they're hoping to begin spring training sometime around mid-June and start the regular season in early July, which would allow for a 50-60 to 60 game season. And at least one team, the Cleveland Indians, has given their players a July 1st target date for a return, according to the Athletics' Ken Rosenthal. Rosenthal also notes that there's really no plans being finalized for baseball's return, but that is the speculation currently. And former Major League Baseball third baseman Trevor Plouffe went even further and gave specific dates in a tweet last Monday. He said spring training 2.0 would begin on June 10th and July 1st would be the opening day. And I thought this was interesting. He said that games would be played at the home team's ballparks. So that throws out the whole thing that we thought was going on, the Arizona-Florida League kind of, you know, playing around at the same stadiums 
staying in the same location. These home stadiums, it brings travel back in, so that that's going to make it even more interesting if it is true. I love the idea of baseball coming back and the fact that it's being planned out, but is it possible? That's what we're going to get into today. Where are you on this, Skyler? It seems to change every two or three weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think it's such a tough decision to make because I, I feel like at some point somebody's going to bring back sports, whether it's the UFC, um, baseball, basketball, I mean, soccer, golf, somebody's got to bring it back. And it's about which commissioner and which executives and heads want to be the first ones to take that risk. Because you know as soon as that said sport comes back, that within the first two to three weeks, there's there's a good probability that there's going to be a positive test that pops up somewhere. Whether it's a player, coach, um, front office personnel, somewhere there's going to be a a positive test. And then the next uh, thing is, okay, well then, do you shut that team down? Do you you know, do you cancel that team's games? Do you continue to play? Do you just, you know, how do you go about it? So that's really, I think, the biggest thing um, for for really anybody that wants to bring it back. For, for me, I think baseball is probably the safest outside of golf to bring back because you're outside and outside of, you know, the pitcher touching the ball and the catcher getting it and throwing it back, there's really not too much contact. There's not a lot of physical contact. There is, you know, here and there, but there's not a ton. I think it would be beneficial for baseball to return because let's look at this. You know, baseball doesn't really have a ton of attendance in the first place. Attendance has has declined over the last, you know, probably 10, 15 some odd years. And there's been a lot more people watching it at home on TV. Um, I think that if you bring baseball back, if they're the first major sport to come back, maybe them taking that that risk gets people pulled back into baseball. You know, maybe the, the audience grows because that's the one thing and only thing that's on TV right now is baseball. Um, but, man, it, that's just going to be really weird. Uh, I was talking to you before that we went on air that if you only have a 50-60 game season, you may have a team that's in the playoffs that's like 25 and, and 30 or, or, you know, 28 and 30 four or five or whatever the record may be. It's going to be really, really weird uh, to see that. But then if that does happen, if you're a manager and say you, you're, you know, you're, you're managing the the Los Angeles Dodgers, do you throw Clayton Kershaw out there, you know, 15 times because it's a shortened season or do you just keep going on five man rotation? I think you're going to see a lot of uh, strategies change. Yeah, you're exactly right on that. And to go back to your point, I think it was your first or second point about, what if a player does test positive? Do you shut down that team? Do you What do you do? I think we'd probably follow that Korean league model that they have going in the KBO right now where if there is a positive test, they shut everything down for two weeks, the whole league, make sure there's wow. no positive test, and then they come back and play. Yeah, that's now that's interesting. I mean, that's that's the big risk, though, is, you know, do you, do you risk getting all these guys back into game shape and – getting everything started up again. And then if there is that positive test and you have a two week layoff, are those guys going to be able to stay game ready? I mean, I know it's not an an extended layoff, but that's, I mean, two weeks is a long time going without playing a game. So, I mean, I think that would be probably the most safest thing to do, but man, that's, that's going to be tough. And I feel like if there's going to be a spring training 2.0, if there's any cases that pop up in spring training, I think it's axed. Yeah, well, yeah, that's a good point too. You know, maybe having a spring training 2.0 is kind of that preseason tester. You know, is this going to work? And if it doesn't work, then you don't have to continue on with it. You can shut everything down, wait till next year. But that's a good point. 
Yeah. But I do agree with you. The viewership, whichever sport comes back, regardless, but baseball, golf, whatever it is, people are going to watch it because it's mm-hmm. live and we're not getting live sports right now. I could really see baseball, as you said, there's not a whole lot of contact being made. You think about the first baseman holding a runner on, you know, other than that, mound visits, you could cancel those. And, and sometimes even those guys get on first base, take a six-foot lead. So yeah. there's your social distancing right there. Yeah, and I mean, there really isn't a whole lot of contact. And the KBO, the umpires wear masks, the base coaches wear masks, you know, and even some of the players in the dugout are wearing masks, although I don't think they are forced to do that because I don't think all of them do. They're, you know, if the stadium's empty, they've talked about implementing where the players actually sit in the seats of the stadium six feet apart from each other instead of sitting in the dugout. So that's interesting. If you did that, wonder who makes it into the dugout. I guess the man. <laughs> Longevity, uh, it, it pays in virtues there. Yeah. I don't know. Would you rather sit in a foamy seat right behind home plate or would you rather sit in the dugout on like the hard seats? Oh, man, I, I think comfortability-wise, you want to sit in the in the bleacher seats. But I, you know, I to me, if I'm playing in the game, I probably want to stay in the dugout because I'd be, you know, getting too comfortable back there. Yeah. I might fall well, asleep. Maybe the nine. Yeah, didn't think about that. Hitting fourth in the lineup, so while you're waiting, you sit in the luxury seats. The Yankees <laughs> coming up in style with like a 32 ounce Pepsi. On your way to your bat, <laughs> takes you 15 minutes. Popcorn guys throwing popcorn over you, or, or peanut guy, I mean. Peanut guys throwing peanuts at you from two sections away with the, the mascot shotgun, whatever those things are called, those blasters. Yeah, that would really be going out there for just the players, wouldn't it? But yeah. <laughs> I think this is feasible, but only if, and this was one that you didn't mention, but you'll be like, oh, why didn't I think of that? we got to have tests. Yes, think yes, about definitely. Think tests we're going to have to have. You don't have tests. There's no way this will ever work. And that kind of leads me to where I believe, even though I said golf would be the first back, because, I mean, golf could be the first back, but if the NBA wants to come back, they could be the first one. They don't have as many players to deal with. I'm thinking about the number of tests that would have to be administered if they did a daily test to, like, the NBA could come back. That's the only thing that gets me with Major League Baseball is we're talking about, you know, 40 to 50 players plus managers, coaches, trainers, all that stuff. Umpires, too, you got to test those guys. Players will move. They would have to move in, like, a point A to point B. We talked about that with the Arizona League they had, you know, go from the hotel to the stadium, then straight back to the hotel. There's none. Can't go out and get food from somewhere else. I I don't – you know, it's going to have to be a very regimented system. And I said spring training would have to go by without a hitch. No cases in spring training, or I think it's done. I see with the shortened spring training only two weeks and the pitchers being really behind the eight ball, I could see them expand the roster so you carry more pitchers. That would be very interesting. That would definitely be very interesting because I think, like I said, you could – I think managers are going to play it out completely differently uh, depending on their personnel and what they've got because if you got Clayton Kershaw um, in a 50-game season, you may throw him out there 15 times still. Now, again, I know he needs his rest, but it's a shortened season. He's going to have more time to essentially rest himself, but um, and he's still going to be throwing half of what he would normally throw. Uh, but then you could also play like a manager would and can go out there and, and throw a pitcher that only goes three innings. Yeah, you could go with the opener style. And uh, I would also – I'm not a fan of that. I, I don't know yeah. about you. I know this is a little off topic, but I, I hate the opener role. It do doesn't too. make sense to me. I'm more traditional. Let's get the starter to go seven innings, maybe eight innings. Right. They act like it's illegal now to do that. Let them <laughs> pitch, man. Greg Maddox did it. John Smoltz did it. Tom Glavin did it. I'm only naming Braves pitchers for some reason. 
right now. Well, they did have a stellar. Roger Clemens did stuff. it. Tons of pitchers have done it. Pedro Martinez. It hasn't been that long ago. A couple more notes. No mound visits. I mentioned that earlier because we're worrying on about social distancing. I don't know how we're going to have visits or like catcher interaction. We'll have to do it from six feet away. And I have a weird hunch that here's my weird hunch. I have that there's going to be a DH on both sides of the league. Oh, I hope not. I feel like that's going to be a change made during this, just to see what's going to happen through a 60-game season. I think the National League will have a DH. I don't know why. It just hit me the other day. I'm like, they're going to try to do that if they come back. Well, I mean, if you think about it, if they ever want to do a a trial period of anything new, now's the time to do it. I hate the DH. I hate the DH, too. I'm a National Leaguer, man. I hate the DH. I don't like the opener. I'm an old school baseball guy that likes the way they played it back in the 70s. Small ball, love that stuff. I'm not for all the – I mean, the home runs are nice and they're they're sexy at times, but I love me some small ball. Not 500 home runs and 3,000 strikeouts. Yeah. (laughs) Aaron Judge. But it works, evidently. So, that's my hunch, though. I feel like it could be there because we're worrying about limited pitching – Think about it. Situationally, you have to take out a starter, and he might be having a great game going into like the seventh inning. You pull him and have to go to the pen because you pinch hit for him in a crucial yeah. moment. So that's just what I was thinking. If we if they don't allow more pitchers, they're going to have to do something to alleviate the situation because I feel like the offense is going to be able to use advantage. We'll talk about that here in a minute, but I feel like we could be seeing a DH in the National League. We have a shortened season. That's just a guess. I'm not even. I don't even have a source. <laughs> you are the source. I am creating the news here. <laughs> the adjusted schedule. I don't. I don't. I'm not sure if they're going to pick up where the schedule should be, or if they'll adjust the schedule. But we will have more double headers. I'm pretty sure because we need some all base be, built in there. That'll be really good for viewership, I think, too. Yeah. And I don't know if they would limit the double headers, like and do it. The way we do it in the Appalachian League where you play two seven-inning doubleheaders, that would save on pitching a little bit as well. I don't know. Yeah, you could, could you could do it that way, or you could potentially do a, a doubleheader, two nine-inning games, and then play, um, you know, maybe take a day off and then have another – well, I mean, at that point, you might as well just play one game a day. But I, I do think you'll see more doubleheaders, which, again, I think is more uh, beneficial to – baseball folks that want to bring the brand back of baseball because the longer you can get kids in front of the TV and watch baseball, the better it's going to be for baseball. Yeah. You get two games of Mike Trout. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that's the, the, the really the cool thing too with baseball. Um, there's so many good players in, in, in the MLB that no one really gets to watch or no one gets to really pay attention to because they're out of market. Well, if baseball is the only thing on, you better – guarantee that ESPN, Fox, CBS, all these sports stations are going to be wanting to pick up every single baseball yeah. game. And if that's the case, you'll get to see everybody play. That was going to lead me to this point. It just it isn't even in our notes. But just think about the way that Major League Baseball could take advantage of this, you know, offer a discount on MLB.tv. If they do come back, here's the interesting thing. I don't think we've got enough play-by-play people to do for every, you know what I mean, for ESPN yeah. to do it. So I think – it's really going to be catered for the broadcasters for the teams. So probably just the televised broadcast for 
the home team is what I would imagine to kind of limit because we're trying here's, we're trying to limit things. So I could see you know them just allowing like the Pirates broadcasters to broadcast the Pirate home games and then let the wherever the whenever the Pirates travel they just let the home team do the broadcast and stream them on MLB TV and then maybe have a few games on ESPN during the week. Yeah, or you, you since everything's kind of gone virtual lately, yeah. I wouldn't even be shocked if you know there's some type of tv partnership or something to where let's say the pirates and reds are playing in cincinnati and you know you've got uh bob walk and you know greg brown on the call for the pirates doing a virtual audio call but like are able to watch the game off the broadcast and are able to do the radio broadcast that way the kbo it could be that another note expanded playoffs with a shortened season, we're going to have more teams make the playoffs, I think. And it's going to be a lot more competitive race to get in there. And we have a few notes on that here in a minute. But I think it could be a very good possibility that we see some baseball this summer. And, you know, things are starting to open up. Uh, Virginia is starting phase one here pretty soon to open up the state. And we could be close to getting something as far as a league back. And Major League Baseball is really seems like trying to make that push. You see an article about every other day coming out from either CBS Sports or The Athletic talking about Major League Baseball trying to come back. Some other topics. Is some baseball better than none? At most, we're going to get 40% of a regular season. Is it worth it? Yes, absolutely. And I'll tell you why. You still may get the same amount of – now, obviously, you're not going to get the the revenue at at the same rate as a full regular 162-game season, but – Again, the TV viewership is going to go through the roof. Probably numbers that they never thought they'd ever see, especially with the decline, uh, I guess you could say, an interest towards baseball over the last few years. So I think you, if you're going to take a loss, which they're going to, you might as well try and, and save as much of that loss as you possibly can. So just like you said, is some baseball better than no baseball? Yes, and is somebody better than – or is saving some money better than than losing all the money. So I think you gotta you gotta take your risk there. And like I said, someone's gonna step out and do it. Is it gonna be baseball? I don't know, but you know, I, I just it, it depends on your stance too. Because some people, you know, some people out there think that this virus isn't really that big a deal. Some people th- take it to the extreme. Some people are in the middle. How do these commissioners and these executives think about the virus? Yeah. That's really the the true question. We don't know. And the players. Yeah, and the players. Yeah, it's are, are the players going to be willing to, to play? Yeah, and that is all going to come to a head, you feel like, sooner rather than later. I think the players are chomping at the bit to get back, at least from what I see on the Internet and some of the articles. The players' perspective, I think they're ready to go. I don't, I don't know how many players out there are, are really too concerned about getting back. I think that, that number is probably really small. I think the timing of it, too, made it worse for the Major League Baseball players. You know, you think about the NBA, it was starting to churn down. We were getting near the playoff run, which that's, that stinks for them. But we were just starting to get warmed up. We were just a few games in yeah. spring training. We were getting raring to go, getting ready for opening day, and then all of this hits. You know, it just kind of stopped everything for those guys who were getting in shape, ready to play. But what what did you think of the original proposal? It seems like they've went away from that. That spring training style league, they were going to have two of them, one in Arizona, one in Florida. Evidently, that thing's been scratched where they were going to play in those complexes, those spring training complexes, and play multiple games a day, no fans, and have to just go straight from the hotel back. Now they're planning on playing the games in the home stadiums, which will make it a little bit 
more fluid, I guess, more natural for them. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be different. I mean, I, I don't think either way is necessarily going to be 100% safe. I mean, when you're talking about putting all those teams in one spot and having a so-called bubble, now, are you? is there going to be a lot of interaction between those guys? Because I know baseball guys. I play baseball. There's no keeping six feet apart whenever you see a buddy that used to play with you, you know, a couple of years ago, and you're all hanging out, and you're just, you know, you may get a group of 10, 15 people just sitting there, you know, talking. And I don't think that that's going to be the case, especially, you know, if you get all those guys in one area, there's a probably a better chance of something being spread there than if you have, you know, them going to different stadiums. But then that's the point, too, where we talked about earlier is, is travel going to be more risky um, to spread this virus. So, you know, my whole opinion on the virus, very to keep it short and simple, is the whole plan and the whole idea to do this quarantine was to slow down the the rate of transmission. There's not there's no ending the virus during this quarantine. And if that's the case, then we'll be in quarantine for the rest of our lives. This thing's yeah. never going to stop anytime soon. So if the the whole idea was to slow down the transmission, you know, I I myself don't really watch the numbers every day cuz I'm just I try not to cuz it kind of gets a little depressing. But if they if the numbers are starting to come down, we are coming on the downhill of, of that curve, then I think that we've done our part. We need to get back to, you know, opening things back up. But that's – I don't want to get too far into the political side. Yeah. It has been a highly politicized pandemic. We can at least say that. Yes. Of course, we're a sports podcast. We want that kind of stuff. Go to Fox or MSNBC. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a politic no. guy at all. We're not going to get into politics here today. Maybe some other show if we run out of content, but we've got plenty of plans. Switching off to another topic about Major League Baseball, we've seen offenses lately really be at advantage against pitching and defenses over the last couple of years. It's really been a showcase the last few years the Major Leagues have been run scoring. These high scoring oh, yeah. teams having great seasons and these explosive offenses with really, you know, mediocre pitching some of these teams have. Offense may be at a bigger advantage here with a short season. Pitchers not being ready. They're kind of being rushed here once we get back, you would think. How do you feel? I mean, we could be in for some exciting baseball, some exciting, like, offenses on these televised games if we get them back with no fans. You know, I'm actually going to go the other way to make things interesting here. I'm a former pitcher, and for me, it was a little bit easier because um, when I was in high school, I played two ways. I mean, everyone plays two way in high school. Yeah. But it was a lot easier for me to find my rhythm and get that back pitching than it was to see live pitching when you're hitting. Because there's no, you can sit there and you can hit off the tee all day. You can take soft toss. You know, some you know one of your buddies can you know throw you some some balls from the mound, but he's never going to throw you like a normal pitcher would. Until you see live pitching for the first time it's it's going to get you, you know, it's going to take some time for some of these hitters, I think. And it, and it always does. You know, you see the first month or two of the season. I'm almost worried, is there going to be any offense? Um, I mean, you're still going to have guys hitting home runs and stuff. But, you know, when you look at, I mean, outside of maybe the last year or two, a lot of teams have six or seven guys in their lineup batting probably 220 or south of that in the first month or two of the season just because it takes them so long to get going. As the season progresses, they start to kick their average up and stuff like that. So, 
I don't know. I think for me, just from my perspective, I think it'll be a little bit easier for pitchers to get back because, I mean, some of those guys, I mean, they got more work in anyways in, in the original spring training. They reported first, they got some more work in. And I think it's a lot easier because you can you can go out in your backyard and pitch to, you know, to a batch stuff every day. You're not going to, you, you can't just pull somebody off the street and have them throw 95 plus to you. <laughs> you know, if we, if we all had that luxury, I think we'd be playing a little bit more often. But, but I don't know. It, I, I do like your point, though, because there has been a ton of offense in the last couple of years, a lot of really good hitters. So, I, I mean, it, I think it's going to go one way or the other. I don't think there's going to be no happy. I see where you're at. I'm going to disagree. I think, you know, everything that they did beforehand is kind of gone now. But I yeah. understand what you're saying from a preparation standpoint because you're not going to go pull somebody off at, like, a gas station come to your batting cage and throw to you. I mean, you're telling me that you don't think these major league guys who are making millions don't have a pitching machine in their house? I know it's That's not live, true. but I think, too, if we have a two-week spring training, I think the hitters are going to be – it's going to be easier as a hitter to get prepared back to facing live pitching than it will be for these pitchers. More so the fact that these pitchers are not going to be in game shape arm-wise. They're not going to be game ready if the spring training's two weeks – and then we're starting games right after that. Yeah, and you've also got to wonder, are, are these hitters going to be more aggressive? Because, you know, they've only got, you know, 50, possibly 60-game season. And if some of these guys are in contract years, want an up in their money, then they're going to try and do everything that they can to get as many homers, as many RBIs, as many, you know, base knocks that they can get in a shortened season to try and prove their worth for their future. How um, accurate Not only that, just be, but just the sole fact alone that, the season has been delayed. You wonder how aggressive they're going to be just to be chomping at the bit, like you said, to start hacking away. You're right. How active do you think free agency and trades will be in a shortened <laughs> season? Or do you think we just don't even have trades this year? Man, that's that's a really good point. I never thought about that. Yeah, because, I mean, every, you know, July 31st is always a very interesting day for me. I live for the MLB trading deadline. I think it's so fun. It's the most exciting trading deadline in all of the major sports just because there's so much movement there's so much um you know you're sacrificing top end farm guys for maybe a, a cheap or not a cheap rental but you know a guy that's only going to be, be there for three months you know is that guy going to pan out you know or are you going to be on the other the receiving end of the you know the top prospects so i think there will be a trade deadline it'll be revised and i think it'll be more later in the season that you can make the trades and I still think you'll see a lot of trades. And actually, I think you'll probably see more trades than you normally would just because there's so many different, you know, you only have so many games to get into the playoffs. Yeah, It's not like you, you can slump for two months and then all of a sudden you can find yourselves in the back four months of the season. You only got two months of baseball. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting because there's a lot of contracts, you know, that – they're going to have to look at and say, okay, is this guy going to be worth it for a two-month season um, compared to, you know, a whole year? Yeah, and I think competitively you'll know early on whether your team's going to be in it or not if you lose <laughs> yeah. for the first two weeks. You may know by the end of the first week. <laughs> yeah, but it's over for you. So it's going to be interesting. Getting off to a fast start in the shortened league, it's going to give a lot of teams an opportunity, a lot of underdog teams a chance, and that's what we're going to get to here in our final point. Think about how competitive a 50-60 to 60 game season, if it happens, will be compared to 162 games. Of course, fewer games equals fewer separation. Um, Tom, for, Tom Verducci for SI had an article out right when all this coronavirus stuff hit. He was talking about just a drop 
if you did a 100-game season from 162 games. You drop from 162 to 100. Teams within five games of a playoff spot from 2012 to 2019. Through 100 games, there was 136 teams that were within five games of a playoff spot. That's 17 a year. Through 162 games, you had 109 teams, and that's only 13 a year. So it's basically roughly like one team a division. That's interesting because that adds a whole other team to the mix in every division. Yes. And for you and I, you know, uh, you know, Pirates, Four more teams. they like to, you know, kind of start off, start out a little hot. Now, obviously, last year was kind of an anomaly. This is really bad. But um, the years before that, you know, in the hurdle days, they would start off pretty good, get to the all-star break. And as soon as the all-star break hits, you're going down on the other end. So is this the Pirates here where they actually come alive and make the playoffs? I know it sounds crazy. New manager, a whole new look team, new general manager. All right, I won't go that far. You sound like uh, Randy Quaid from Major League. <laughs> this is the year. We're going all yeah. the way. All the way. Wow. So Those bad. guys are all hilarious. If you've never watched Major League, please go do or you know, go do yourself a favor and watch those two watch movies. Major especially the second two. one. Don't watch three. No. God no. But yeah. Let's have a little – if there's no All-Star break, the Pirates can't start their post-All-Star break slump. So, it exactly. gives us an opportunity there. You, you hit that right on the head. But I think regardless, <laughs> everything we've talked about with Major League Baseball, it's going to be a lot of fun just to see what decision that they make. And uh, we're excited to hopefully have some Major League Baseball and some Pirate Baseball, especially for us this year. The Hutton and Callahan Show is now available on Apple Podcasts. Be sure you go and subscribe today. We're excited to finally – Get accepted there. It's very easy and accessible for all of the iPhone and uh, iPad listeners out there. And hope that you can uh, find the time to go over there and subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. And now we're to our final segment. We're going to shorten this one up a bit from our big major league part. But we're going to talk about the sports industry's adjustment. We could talk forever on this topic. We're just going to hit on some of our thoughts. Uh, Skylar, we've seen... A sportsless world now for, what, about two months, a little over two months. It's been odd. ESPN has changed their coverage drastically. We're seeing a lot of throwback games. All of their interviews are done remotely. The reporters, the host, usually the host is in the studio. Everybody else is at their homes. And when you look at the things they released, they released the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, released it early. And then here recently with the Korean Baseball League getting started back up, they've got remote broadcasters, Carl Ravitch, and Eduardo Perez did the very first game earlier this week. And it was interesting. But, you know, they're really doing a good job. When you think when you think about the way the broadcast industry has reacted to this, what about how the print industry has reacted? What has it been like in your field as a publisher? I know you've had the draft. But other than the draft, what are some things that you've seen uh, people at SI cover? Man, it has been absolutely brutal. And I don't think that there's one guy or one publisher in the entire Sports Illustrated Network that would tell you otherwise. Um, if they do, they're lying. It's, it's been a challenge, for sure. I mean, to go two months without sports and not knowing when it's going to return is completely different from just a normal offseason. And, you know, hitting around May, you know, late May, June is usually the time of year for us on the West Virginia side where we're, we're actually starting to get into our true offseason where there's no football, there's no basketball, baseball, nothing. So we're approaching that to where it's kind of our normal regular season or normal offseason. So once we get there, 
it'll just be like, huh, okay, now we got to redo everything we pretty much just did. Um, because it's really tough, you know, in the off season when you don't have games to talk about and you don't have interviews, um, you know, post-game interviews to, to roll, you kind of go back and talk about some of the stuff from years past and in history. Uh, you kind of rely on recruiting, you know, for WVU. Uh, is something that we we talk about a ton on our site. But as far as you know, the Panther site that I that I do, it's really tough. You've really got to get your creative mind going and kind of think outside of the box because there's so many topics that you can talk about, but you don't want to get to the point where your articles almost seem clickbaity. You know what I mean? You don't yeah. want to you don't want to make those those articles or those outlandish you know hot takes that. Hey, you know, Christian McCaffrey's going to run for 5,000 yards in 2020. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's, you know, you don't want to go too crazy, but you know, sometimes you have to get, you know, and, and, and the funny thing is, <laughs> and I probably shouldn't say this, but Facebook fans are the most interesting fans because no matter what you write on, especially when it's the off season and there's quarantine, you have no sports going on whatsoever. You get all these people saying, why are you covering this? You know, why are you saying, why are we writing about this? Why does this matter? Why does this matter? Well, when there's nothing going on, you kind of have to roll with what you got. You have to make you know, it Especially in, in Panthers' sake, you know, there, there was a uh, report the other day, I think it was by Ian Rappaport, the NFL Network talking about how Cam Newton would be willing to accept a backup role. So we did a story on it, got a few comments on Facebook. Uh, that that whole situation in Saga down there in Carolina has just not gone over well with the Panthers fans. You've got a 50-50 split of fans, of fans being uh, supportive of Cam, still wishing he was here, and then you got the other half that's just like, ah, I don't really care for him, say a lot of bad stuff. And anyways, there's a lot of fans that just were like, why are, we, why are you guys covering this? Why are you guys writing about this? I'm like, well, he did just leave a month ago, and everyone knew that he was the face of the franchise. So, I mean, you, you only have so much to talk about. And again, you don't know when sports are going to return. So you have to get really creative with what you write. Yeah. Uh, and I agree. You don't want to get too clickbaity, but sometimes you got to get some views, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, there's there's articles, and I admit there's probably a lot of articles that I'm doing right now that I probably wouldn't have in the past, not just because I think they're click, I don't think they're clickbaity. It's just usually we have so much content that we can go through that there are articles I would never think of doing, and I think it's going to be kind of in a way beneficial because now I've got these new these new articles that I do that I can continue doing once we do get sports. Now let's pivot back to the broadcast industry. The Last Dance, the Michael mm. Jordan documentary, that has been excellent. Now, the jumping back and forth in the timeline kind of whiplashes you around, but it's nothing as long as you can read the subtitles, right? But <laughs> it's a really good doc, and it's really more than about Michael Jordan. They really do a good job talking about other players on that Bulls team. Yeah, they really do, and I think it's very interesting uh, to just be able to see all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And you always kind of wonder, like, in today's world, is any of this going on right now? Is like, is there anyone filming LeBron James? Is there anyone filming Mike Trout? Or like, you know, it's just really cool to see all this stuff happen. I think you're going to start to see more documentaries come out like this, you know, 10, 15 years from now, some of the, of today's stars. But 
I love the Dennis Rodman episode. Yeah. <laughs> I could watch those episodes on repeat all day long. Now, I will admit, you know, I watched the first two episodes, kind of half watched the, the, the Rodman episodes, and I, and I love them the, be- the most, and I didn't even get to watch them entirely. Have not watched the last two. Yeah. I'm kind of waiting until they all end, and I'm just going to go back through and then watch them all together. But I really, really like this idea by Jordan and his group to put this together because this is – very very interesting a lot of things that happen beyond this behind the scenes that you just never thought about or even knew about yeah think about at the time too them allowing someone to come in and cover that season that year with all the turmoil that was going on around that bulls team wouldn't happen today no and that long ago too i mean it's been quite a few years back to have that kind of access and i think the thing that i've gotten out of this documentary is that Michael, you know, the way he handled being a star player, you know, he was confident, he played well, uh, he always gave it his all, but on the other side, he was always there for the public, it seemed like. Like, he was always signing autographs. I saw one video that kind of struck me, was this little kid was walking up to him in the arena, and, like, the security guards were, like, trying to push him away, but then Michael grabbed whatever the kid wanted to sign and went ahead and signed it and went on about his day. But, you know, just to be at that level and the way he played – and the way he treated everybody, I felt like was a was a good one. And you haven't seen the episode, but the newest episode, the one that uh, came out the week before about his gambling habits, and they were trying to say he was addicted to gambling because he liked to go gambling, all that kind of stuff. And we're saying that he was slow in games. Could you believe that? But they were uh, I don't know about that. Hard to throw games when you go seventy-two and ten or something yeah. like that. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought like I guess that was just the one thing that they tried to pin on him. But uh, it, it's a great documentary. If you haven't watched The Last Dance, do it. It's on ESPN on Sundays. Great one. And if you are a night owl, like I have started to become during this pandemic with nothing really else going on, you can watch Korean baseball. And that's going to bring us to our one of our last topics here. It was great. You know, they do the remote broadcast. Uh, Carl Ravitch is at his house. And all the other broadcasters, they have the whole baseball crew from ESPN doing the games. They just alternate. They broadcast from, like, their den, and the game's going on over in Korea at, like, 1.30 a.m., <laughs> and you can watch it live on ESPN, or they replay it throughout the day the next day. But And I think, you know, Major League Baseball is going to take a lot of keys. I've mentioned the KBO, like, four times in this podcast, so keep your KBO counter going. My favorite team is the Dinos. The, the Dinos. Dinos. Yeah, they're great. They're, um, can you name uh, their best player? No. That isn't <laughs> the point. Their mascot's name is Swole Daddy. <laughs> Swole Daddy? Yeah, look him up. Oh my gosh! Look up I've got. Daddy. I don't even know the, the the names of these teams. Are is there yeah, any crazy Google. like outlandish just names? Yeah, I'm not gonna go into that though. I want you to look up Swole Daddy real quick. Swole Daddy. All right, I'm Swole gonna look Daddy up Swole Daddy. Is the best mascot. Swole Daddy Dinos. First thing that pops up. Yeah. Let's see. He was trending. He should have been trending. I'm not sure if he actually was, but the Dinos, man, oh their logo and colors are awesome. What do you think? If you had to pick that, a fight with one mascot, it wouldn't be him, would it? Heck no. <laughs> if you have a phone near you right now, please go and search uh, Swole Daddy Dinos. It's you awesome. will be shocked. This dude man. looks like a mixture of the Hulk, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't even know who else to compare him to. He He's a jack dude, let me tell you. He kind of looks like the the built cousin of the Philly fanatic. Yeah, kind of. It reminds me of I mean, the land. I don't know if it's because he's green, but he's definitely a land before time kind of theme. He's awesome. Yeah. 
<laughs> but watch the KBO. It's, it's really fun, and, you know, it's live sports, and we'll take it any way that we can get our sports right now. And, uh, you know, to wrap up this episode, Skylar, we're going to come out of this with a greater appreciation for everything, but from this perspective of this podcast, we're going to have a greater appreciation for sports. Absolutely, because, I mean, like I said, it, it's our everyday life. You know, this is what we do for our careers. You know, this is all I've ever done, you know, is, you know, talk sports, write sports, you know, play sports. Ever since I was a kid, this is all I've ever known. It, it was honestly kind of sad and depressing, you know, the first week or two that this happened. I mean, it still kind of is because it's just like, okay, well, what am I going to do now? So I think when it comes back, you're gonna just going to be like, man, this is awesome. And it feels like it's been 10 years since we've had a, a game on TV or just, you know, on, on the air. And I've just been constantly day after day after day, just be like, man, I cannot wait. And I'm trying to envision what that first game is going to be. It's going to be baseball, football, basketball. What is it? But that, that first game that we, we have back, I think is going to be the most amazing event in years. Yes. Regardless of what it is. Exactly. It, it could be volleyball. It could be anything. I don't care what it is. It could be disc golf for all I care. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, and you got to take each day with this. You got to take it day by day and just realize that every day we get marked off is another day closer to us getting everything back to normal. You know, more than just sports, being able to go in a restaurant and eat. Oh, that we didn't think was man, do I miss those days. Great thing, probably about four months ago. You know, we used to think draft foods were great. Now you're sick and tired of going <laughs> to go outside or wait on so many people to leave whenever you're going in to pick up. It's what has been your quarantine fix? So what what is the one thing that you cannot stop eating since been in, being in quarantine? Um, I would probably say two things. Cheez-Its and... And you're wrong there. Probably like brownies. For some reason, oh, like you know, yes. like the fudge rounds, like those brownie things. Those have been my two binges. I've got now, see for me, I've <laughs> got a problem because my fiance, she just she just wrapped up college, um, and she moved in obviously a little bit earlier just because of you know classes being shut down. So. Uh, now that we're living together, she makes cookies like every three days. And when she makes them, they're homemade and probably like three dozen. And I'm not even kidding you. Within 36 hours, they're gone. Gotcha. I have a big chocolate chip cookie eating problem. But not only that, the, I don't know if you've ever had the Cape Cod chips, the salty. Oh, yeah. They're, they're supposedly healthy, but I don't think they're healthy when they're you greasy. eat a whole bag like in one sitting. <laughs> but. Yeah, Cape Cod chips and uh, chocolate chip cookies, uh, homemade from my fiance, is, is pretty much my two gotcha. uh, problems right now, I guess you could say. I will give one piece of advice for our Cheese It people. Don't try Cheese It connoisseurs. Don't try the extra cheesy. It's not that good. That's what I'm on right now, and I can't get through it. It's like I have to force them down. Two cheese. <laughs> Go, That's when you know you extra. have a dedication and loyalness to Cheese It. You're still to. willing to eat them. <laughs> I've tried to be more explorative with my palate when it comes to cheese. There's plenty of options. You know, you got like extra toasty, extra big. Don't get extra te cheesy. It's too cheesy. It's like some like frosting. I'm not going to say frosting, but it's like a dusting of cheese. And it's just not really that good. It's not the same Ugh. quality. Ugh. Like synthetic cheese or yeah, something. Don't eat it. And matter of fact, I've got half a box. If you want it, come get it. Bring me a real box of regular cheeses. 
I'll even take the reduced fat cheeses. I don't taste the difference. So I don't. I don't really taste the difference except the ones that have the grooves in them. Those ones I think don't. I think they taste too dry. But that's just me. I love cheeses. I think that's the big thing out of all this. I could talk another hour just on cheese <laughs> flavors and mashups. The white cheddar cheeses. Those are interesting. But uh, we can all get to that a little bit later, right? Again, that's right. Interact with us. Follow the Hutton and Callahan Show on social media, and you'll get previews for upcoming content and guests discussions, polls, and much, much more. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hcsportspod and on Twitter and Insta at hcsportspod. And as always, Skylar, we had a blast uh, talking about sports and all the other things, Cheez-Its and cookies and Cape Cod chips. Pirates, you say, are going to win this shortened season. Mark it down. World Series champs. Take it to the bank. And... uh, (laughs) We do want to hear your all's reactions to this week's show. Talk to us about what you think is going to happen with Major League Baseball. Which sport do you think will be the first sport back? I think a lot of people have differing opinions on that. Will it be NBA? Will it be Major League? Will it be golf? NASCAR, of course, is starting up here soon, so we may have to have a NASCAR segment coming soon. Send us some ideas on what paint scheme our NASCAR car should be. <laughs> there you go. We should have. That would be fun. Don't forget to subscribe, and while you're at it, drop a rating or review on our Apple Podcast page and tell your friends about us. I think word of mouth will go a long way in helping us get started and share our page to your friends on Facebook and also on Twitter. And we're excited next week to welcome our first guest onto the show. As we're going to be talking to the play-by-play voice of the Daytona Tortugas, Justin Rock, and we're going to talk to him about his career, his broadcast prep routine, and much, much more. And Skyler, we'll leave you with the final word for this episode. I'm just going to tell everybody to stay safe and uh, live sports are on the way, but I'll let you send us out. Absolutely. And uh, like we, for a quick recap, watch Major League. Baseball is on the return at some point. And we both have quarantine eating problems. But at the, at the end of the day, when NASCAR returns, I think Dylan's going to have a, a cheese it car. <laughs> right on. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm going to have the Cape Cod uh, slash Chips Ahoy. Well, I, I had to throw some random cookie name in there uh, just because my fiance don't have a name for her cookies. So uh, Cape Cod slash Chips Ahoy race car. But, uh, yeah, so definitely uh, it was a fun show. Glad you were able to tune in with us. We appreciate all your, your support and listening to any and the, maybe even the entirety of our shows. Uh, we definitely want to hear your feedback. And uh, interact with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever that you guys have. We would love to hear from you guys and and see what you guys want to hear from us uh, in future episodes and who you want us to see or who you want to see us interview as well. So uh, recommendations all for it. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good week. And we'll be back for our interview with Justin Rock next week. Again, we'll see you next time. 